Hey, one more time, we wanted to say welcome to the new Four Corners, and we wanted to take a moment to show you that video because, well, because it means so much to us. Before we really dived into building this building, we had a lot of prayer, and we asked God, you know, God, how do we go about this? We're a relatively young church. Uh, how do we make sure that we don't end up like a lot of churches, honestly, that maybe you've heard about, that you get into a building program, and then it's like things happen, bad things happen, and we really felt like keeping our hearts soft before God was important. So before we ever put the first brick in place in this place, um, before we ever turned the first screw, we built that church in India. Now that doesn't bring glory to us, but we wanted to keep our hearts soft for what church is really all about, which is serving people. And so we wanted you to see that this year we're going to partner with them again. And on Christmas Eve Eve, the biggest service of the year around here, at 5, 7, or 9 o'clock, take your time, come here. The offering for that day is going to go to support Pastor James John at Four Corners, India. It's going to support the Smoky Mountain Children's Home in near Gatlinburg, Tennessee. And it's going to go to support the Four, Cor the Four Corners Kids Ministry right here at home. And we wanted you to know that. Well, so many people have done so much to make this place happen. It's a great day for us. But I wanted to take a moment and say thank you to the guy that, honestly, more than anybody else, helped pull this off. And uh, he's sharing the stage with me right now. It's Pastor Greg. Would you guys like to say thank you for all the work? Sincerely, sincerely, without, hit, I mean, everybody has done so much. And on the first Sunday of January, you're going to hear about that. But the truth is, um, this guy here um, has sacrificed so much. And it means the world to me to be able to share the stage, this ministry with him. Um, Greg, what, what's on your heart today? Uh, I'd like to get some sleep. <laughs> yeah. so it's on my mind and yeah. my heart and my soul and everything. Um, thank you, uh, obviously, for saying that. Uh, it's awkward to be up here and to have someone say that about you. I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, I do want to say two things, though, um, to, to you guys. Um, last night, probably around, I don't know, 1045, 11 o'clock, we were literally carpeting this stage. That's how close we were to getting finished. And um, one of the guys, I don't know who it was, there were about 20 guys and ladies here working on the stage. And one of them said, the cool thing about this church is we, we built it ourselves. And it's true. I mean, it, it wasn't, wasn't the plan. It would have been great if we didn't. Um, it would have yeah. been great. <laughs> the original plan was to pay for it. But um, it, it's true. Hindsight being 2020, it's cool to think that you guys, y you did this. Yeah. Um, many of you are sitting there today literally with blisters on your hands and uh, scabs on your knees yeah from working and so i want to say thank you um thank you for your sacrifice and time uh thank you for the blisters uh thank you for messing up your clothes painting and with carpet glue and drywall mud uh, thank you for those of you who gave whether you gave uh, a dollar or two or ten Several of you, tens of thousands of dollars, thank you. It would not have happened. This would not be our new church home if you hadn't made the sacrifices you did. And I think it's a testimony to our congregation, Absolutely. Just as young as we are, to say that we did it. Yeah, and we you know, built this church ourselves. And, you know, God, Greg, we've seen this a hundred times. Um, God prepares people before he sends people. And he's been preparing our hearts through this whole process. The band opened with um, Living on a Prayer. Um, it's a very apropos. You know, you heard that line? Oh, we're halfway there. Well, that was Monday. Um, <laughs> we, were, we were halfway there. That's a fact. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but we did it. Um, 
we didn't want to take a whole lot of time talking about the building today. Um, we're going to do that on the first Sunday of the year and share with you the incredible miracle that is this place and give honor where honor is due, first of all, to the Lord, but also to, to many folks in this congregation. Today we're going to do God's Word. So one more time, would you just like to say thank you to Greg, all the volunteers, this team. Thank you, guys. Well, we're going to jump right into God's Word today, um, and we're going to look at a powerful passage of Scripture that, though it's a few thousand years old, it's still so relevant for our lives today. Let me ask you a question. Have you, have you ever felt like God wasn't really paying attention to your life? I mean, I know you're not supposed to say that in church, but I, I wonder if you've ever had the feeling, the emotion that maybe... Maybe you're out there doing it on your own. Here's the thing. A lot of folks, even those that have committed their lives to Jesus, come to certain junctures in their life where they kind of feel like they're doing it by themselves. And the guys in our, in our story from God's Word today, they were at a point in their life where the pressures were so high, emotionally, spiritually, in one case politically, relationally, and they wondered what it was all about. Now, we're beginning today a message here called a message series called Simply Christmas, where we're talking about the basic truths of this holiday season. When you come in next week, we'll be all decked out with Christmas decorations and Christmas Eve Eve is the event for your family. But we don't want to just throw Christmas events. We want to we put ourselves right back into that situation out of which God gave the world the greatest gift it's ever seen. And literally, the gift of Jesus is the gift that keeps on giving. I've been walking with the Lord for a while, and I'm still unwrapping what that means. I certainly haven't arrived. Some of you in this room, you haven't yet unopened the gift of Christmas. I hope you do that this holiday season. Today's message is all about helping you and me understand, maybe remember, maybe get it for the first time, that God is a promise-keeping God. I'm going to take you back in your Bible to 735 years before Jesus was born. I'm going to show you... On the map up here, where these events are taking place. This is the land of Israel. Now, it's not to scale. Um, this, this is the Mediterranean Sea. In the Bible, it's called the Great Sea. This is the, the Sea of Galilee where Jesus walked. This is the, the Dead Sea or the, or the Salt Sea. And this little region right here is the region out of which about you know, 85 to 95% of all the events in your Bible take place. And, and the story we're talking about today, 735 years before Jesus was born, it's about events and pressures and difficulties happening in that little circle. King's name at the time was King Ahaz. He didn't have a track record of following God. And that was a problem in his life. But it wasn't the only problem he faced. Just to the north, the, the country had experienced a bit of a civil war. And so up here is a little area called northern Israel... I cannot spell. That's northern Israel. And um, this right here is kind of like southern Israel. And so they were, they were struggling in this battle for identity and this battle for political influence and which king, the northern king or the southern king, was really in charge. That was a challenge. But little, little southern Israel here and Ahaz didn't simply have a problem with the north. They had a problem to the west. A little country by the name of Aram had partnered together with the northern Israel, and together they were going to go up against even a bigger foe. So this is a time of political unrest. They were going to go up against the Assyrian army. 
Now, the Assyrian army, they were, they were bad. If you came and found yourself face-to-face with the Assyrian army, you really had two options. They were so big, so vast, so um, powerful would be the right word, that your choices were to die or to be assimilated, um, to give, and they would take your land, your crops, your women, all your machinery of, of war making, all the machinery of productivity for any industry, and they would assimilate it into their culture or they would kill you. It was your choice. And they had taken over all the known world. And so northern Israel and Aram decided they would band together and they would extend to southern Israel an offer to come together and the three of them would fight Assyria. Now Assyria's real interests weren't here at all. Assyria wanted to get down here to Egypt. And often Israel found itself in the pathway of major political unrest between the northern empires and the empire of Egypt. They were just on the main road. And so the king of southern Israel, Ahab, was given an offer by his northern cousins and the, the partners there to the, I've been saying west, but it's actually east, isn't it? Uh, north, right, west. Uh, anyway, it's on the map. Um, they were given an opportunity to band together and fight Assyria. And so Ahaz found himself in a troubling situation. Now, while Ahaz was king, there was another important figure in history who was writing and having influence at the time. We call him the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah was a man who was a prophet used by God to talk about what was going on in the world and help people understand it from God's perspective. He would just kind of tell the truth boldly. But he sometimes would also kind of predict what was going to happen, kind of tell the truth about the future as well. So Isaiah hears, through whatever means he hears, that Ahaz is thinking about coming into partnership with these other tribes and potentially going up against Assyria. And he gets a word from God for the king. And the word is very simply, Ahaz, it's simply this, Ahaz, don't put your trust in some allegiance and think that you're going to prevail. Keep your trust in me. That was the word of God to King Ahaz through Isaiah the prophet. Put your trust in God and keep it there. And don't put your trust in all this other stuff. Don't try to force something to happen. God was letting Ahaz know, look, you're my special people. I haven't forgotten you. I'm still doing something powerful in and around you. You may wonder where I am, but I'm still at work. Now, this is a message that God has been telling all the way through the pages of the Bible. It's the message God's sending right here at Christmas. See, when your Bible opens, the world is perfect. And God, the Creator, and His created are together in an intimate communion. They talk regularly. They get along. But by the third page of your Bible, Genesis chapter 3, the world has gone wrong. And the Creator is separated from the creation by, well, the Bible calls it sin. And it's created this distance. It's the very thing that happens when husbands and wives have maybe infidelity or other challenges, and it creates a gap. It's what happens when parents get estranged from kids. It happens on a spiritual level when we are separated by God because He's perfect and we're not. You've experienced it emotionally, I bet, if you're honest with yourself. That sense of, what, do I, what is this emptiness I'm feeling? What is this disconnect I'm feeling when I don't fully live up to what I know to do? Or when I do things I know I'm not supposed to do? Is it simply a, a, a feeling of guilt and shame? Or is there a real disconnect? Well, the Bible indicates that there's a real disconnect, but God chose through the pages of our Bible to remind us that He's not interested in just defining you as somebody separated from Him. 
He wanted you to know something very powerful. So he left us the whole story of the Bible to remind us that he's going to do all he can to reconnect us to him. And so in Genesis chapter 3, at the end of the story of the world gone bad, from Genesis chapter 4 all the way through the pages of your Bible, God is writing the story that you and I, we're loved by him. That he hasn't forgotten us. No matter what's going on in our lives, he's interested, he's aware, he's concerned. He hasn't forgotten. And there are times in the lives of the people in the pages of your Bible and mine where it looks like maybe God has forgotten them. And I believe that this is one of those moments. Ahaz is wondering, where is God in the middle of all of this? I've got political unrest outside my borders. I have some commotion inside of my borders as my confidants lean on me and tell me, you can't do nothing about this. You're going to have to do something. This is a big deal. It's serious. Have you seen what Assyria has done to everybody else? If we don't do, maybe the best thing we can do is put our hope in these other folks and maybe they'll be the ones to see us through. And Isaiah comes to Ahaz and says, don't put your trust in other people. Other folks will let you down. Put your trust in God. And then Isaiah gives Ahaz an incredible opportunity. He says, I want you to, to ask for a sign that God is with you. Now, Ahaz in the country of southern Israel had an incredible heritage of looking at what God had done. I mean, there are a lot of signs that God had given them that he was very much involved in their lives. He had led them out of Egypt with the ten plagues and, and the manna from heaven and the, the cloud and the fire leading them. They had seen dramatic displays of God's power. God sends Isaiah to Ahaz and says, I'm going to show you a sign that's going to show you that I haven't forgotten you. That I'm still in charge of the world. That things aren't as random as they seem. I am in charge and I care about you. Keep your confidence in me. Trust me. And here's what he said. And when I tell you what he says, it's going to sound as strange today as it must have sounded back then. He says, I'm going to send a baby. And a baby is going to be the sign that I'm in charge. Now, if I was Ahaz, I would have said, <clears throat> God, um, babies are nice. We like babies. Um, I'm one of those people who, like, you know, we, we say there's two kinds of people in our church. People who like kids and people who like their kids. I, I'm more of a their kids kind of guy. I, I mean, I love your kids. I really love my kids. I, I maybe maybe Ahaz, Ahaz would have said, um, God, a baby is good, but what I really like to have is some tanks. Now, I, I know that you're way back. So may, I'd like to have some armored elephants or camels or something because I'm not sure what a baby's going to do in a war. But God says, I'm going to send you a baby. And when I send you this baby, it's going to be like the, the foreshadowing. It's going to be a foretaste. It's going to be a small indicator that I'm still working with you. Turn your Bible in Isaiah chapter 7. We're given this strange line. It seems insignificant. You wonder what's even going to happen with it. But it begins a storyline that runs throughout the rest of your Bible. A storyline with huge implications. It's a storyline that ultimately culminates in Christmas. It culminates in reminding us that God hasn't forgotten, that He is a promise-keeping God. And that like Ahaz, and like other characters we're going to talk about in a moment, Many of us, most of us, all of us are going to be given an opportunity to put our trust in God or put our trust in other stuff. And we're going to find ourselves in that same predicament that these folks in the stories from the Bible today are in. 
Even though it happened so long ago, it's still happening today. We're given an option to consider, is my faith and trust in God? And do I believe his, and, and trust his character? And do I believe he's a promise-keeping God? Or am I going to go out and try to wrangle this thing myself and make it happen? Here's what it says in Isaiah chapter 7, verse, verse 14 on the screens behind me. Isaiah is speaking to Ahaz and he says, The Lord, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. That's not a normal thing. This is a God thing. The virgin will conceive. Uh-oh, little challenge there. Mechanically, that's a bit of a problem. Um, Pastor Greg would love to explain to you the implications theologically of this, of this point right here. The, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Emmanuel. Now, in the Bible's na- names have significant meanings. And Emmanuel means God with us. Whenever you see L on somebody's name, it, it means God. And the Eman part is with us. God with us. There's going to be a baby born. And it's going to be a reminder to you that God is with you, is what Isaiah says to Ahaz. I'm with you. You feel the pressures. Life is difficult. You're not sure how it's all going to play out. There are more questions than answers. And the drum beat is so loud, it, it drowns out sometimes any sense that God is really active. And, and, and Ahaz was wondering if God's around or has he forgotten the little country? Maybe, maybe he was wondering if his personal sin and lack of devotion to God caused God to turn away from him. But here was the prophet reminding him, if you put your trust in God, that's a good place to put your trust. If you put your trust in God, you can trust him because his character towards you is good. All of history, all of human history is about God demonstrating to us his desire to be connected to us. And when we've walked away from him, he reaches out back to us. By the way, this is the exact point of the Christmas story. That God sent his son Jesus into the world so that we would no longer have to be separated by God like in Genesis chapter 3. All of your Bible, the first half, is prepping, getting us ready for the awesome, great gift of Jesus to this world. Jesus, God with us in the flesh, who gives his life and dies and is resurrected again so that you and I, all of humankind, could have an opportunity to be reconnected and the distance between creator and created could be closed. And not just on a spiritual level, but on a physical level we could have the life that he originally intended for us. Ahaz was wondering if that was the kind of God that was in charge. And so Isaiah the prophet comes to him and he says, look, God hasn't forgotten. In fact, he's going to send you a sign. And the sign is going to be that a baby is born. But the baby's name is going to be God with us. And that's powerful, friends. God is a promise-keeping God. Here was the challenge. This was 735 years from the promise was given until the time that the baby came. 735 years in the Greek, that means, that's a long time. That's what that means. 735 years is a long time to wait and to trust and to wonder what God's up to. And it looked at times as if God wasn't active at all. And various people throughout the pages of your Bible wondered if he was just asleep somewhere. 
Or maybe he wound up the world and is now kind of leaving it all up to us. And there was good reason on one real level to wonder if he really cared, if he was really involved, if he was really close, if he really loved. That's what happened back here in this little circle. But that's not why we're talking about it today. Because it happened only. We're talking about it today because it still happens. And some of you in this room, you're wondering if God knows about that thing going on in your life. That financial thing, that relational thing. You're wondering if God saw that spiritual thing and if he's even aware. And if, and if you even have a chance to reconnect with him. Well, I have good news for you today. The gospel, the good news of the Bible is this, that God does care, that he keeps his word, that he's a promise-keeping God, and that the gift of Christmas, which is Jesus, is proof that God doesn't forget. That God hasn't forgotten you, he hasn't forgotten me, and that he does keep his promises. See, Ahaz wasn't the only one to struggle with this. In fact, let me tell you what happens with Ahaz. He isn't a God-following king. He goes his own way, and he rejects the advice of Isaiah the prophet to put his trust in God and not trust this other allegiance. And he makes the allegiance. And within 12 years, northern Israel is invaded by the Assyrians. They're gone. In fact, things get so bad and the intermingling is so deep that they lose any real sense of being called Israelites at all. And by your New Testament time, they're called Samaritans. It's kind of a play off of Assyrians. They're more Assyrian than they are Israel. They're gone. Within 20 years, Hezekiah, the king, has to sell all, basically give as a tribute to the Assyrian king, all of the, all of the furniture, the gold, the silver, all the beauty of the temple owned by this little nation of Israel just to keep the Assyrians from beating down on them. And it changes the way they worship. But it doesn't stop there. Not only is Assyria involved, within 90 years, Babylon is on the scene. And if Assyria was bad, Babylon is worse. And then your Bible, this is where you get the story of Daniel and the three Hebrew children. Daniel in the lion's den lives in little southern Israel. And the Babylonians came down and they take over. And Israel has no power and authority because Assyria has stripped them bare. And they cart off Daniel, the best and the brightest, and his, and his, and his, his friends to Babylon to live. People wondered where God was, and has God forgotten, and where's the promise? And God said he would use us. And God said through Abraham, the beginning of this country, he would bless the world. And it doesn't look like we're blessing the world right now. In fact, we don't feel blessed at all ourselves. Within 90 years, Babylon is on the scene. Nebuchadnezzar, Daniel. And after that goes away, the Persians come in for 300 years with an iron fist, with their boot on the necks of the world. The Persians ruled. But they didn't last forever either. That government got turned over. And the Greeks show up on the scene with Alexander the Great. And the empire stretches the whole world over. Hundreds of years are turning over. And finally, Rome is in charge of all the known world. And this question of, does God keep his promises? Well, it's still on the minds and in the hearts of people who are going through rough times. Who are wondering, has God forgotten about us? Sometimes the problems personally are so large that we've even forgotten about the world. But sometimes you look at what's happening in the news and you wonder, is it going anywhere? Uh, is, is God in if God's in charge, where, where is this thing going? Where, where's it not only going in the world, where's it going in my life? And in the pages of your Bible, right here, 
In this same little circle, 735 years later, there was a man by the name of Joseph who had the same questions. He thought his life was going fine. He had a trade. He was a carpenter, and he had a girlfriend, and they were promised to be married. And one day he discovers that this girlfriend is pregnant, and the baby's not his. Now, I know our culture has changed, but on a personal level, that's always devastating. And sometimes we kind of wink and nod at that stuff now, and that's fine and good, and we have no judgment or condemnation for anybody here, because we don't think any child's an accident, and so... But for Joseph, it was devastating. His heart was broken. And the Bible says that this man named Joseph, who loved the Lord, contemplated privately about putting away Mary, this girl that he was promised to be married to. And he wondered if God was a promise-keeping God, and if God was involved in his life, and if God even cared about where he was. There wasn't a Christmas yet. He did have the stories of Ahaz and Isaiah and Daniel to look at. That God was about to send a message to the world, a, a love letter, if you will, that would forever, once and for all, deal with the question, does God care? Is he active? Has he forgotten us? Is he present at all? Can he see? Does he listen? The Bible says that Joseph has an encounter with an angel. Maybe you've heard this story around Christmas time in Matthew Chapter 1, verse 20 through 24, here's what your Bible says. But after he had considered this, putting away Mary, breaking the engagement, going his own way, because, you know, nobody had ever heard about somebody giving birth who was, a, who was a virgin. After he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. This is a God thing. It's not a human thing. It's not going to play by the normal rules. And she will give birth to a son. And you're going to give him the name Jesus. Again, names are significant. The name Jesus means he will save people from their sins. Literally, save now. His name will be Jesus. And he will reconcile people who are distant from God and doing everything they can to connect with him sometime trying to earn it, trying to give enough money, do enough good works, do spiritual math. I've done a few bad, I'll do a few more good. And maybe in the end, God will measure that way. But at the end of the day, what's going to happen in Jesus? The gap can be closed, not because of anything you and I have done, but because he pays the price fully for us. His name will be Jesus because he'll save people from their sins. But then verse 22, 735 years later, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, Isaiah, to King Ahaz. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. His name is Jesus, but he represents his nickname, his title is God with us. So that once and for all, if you wonder... If you think, if the, if the drum beating you in your life is so loud that you're contemplating whether God cares at all, you can't see or hear any other evidence than you're alone making this happen. And is there any order or rhyme or reason? Is there any controlling anything? Emmanuel, God's with us. God is with us. And Joseph found himself in that exact same place that Ahaz was in. And countless other people in your, in, in your Bibles and countless other people, maybe even in this room, I guess we could be counted. I don't know. We say, I say countless. I don't even know if it's countless or not. 
hundreds of people have asked the question, <laughs> is, is God involved? Does he care? Does he know about this transition, about this marriage, about this kid, about my illness? And Joseph was in the exact same position that Ahaz was in, and he had to wonder. But he had to do more than wonder. He had to decide to whether or not to put his trust in the character of God. And I think each of us are given that opportunity pretty regularly. Some of us have never done that with, like, our souls. You never committed your life to Jesus. And, and today's a good day to do that. This Christmas is, is a great time to begin to unwrap the gift of Jesus in your life for the first time and begin to discover that he loves you, that there's nothing that can separate you from him. The biblical writer says, there's nothing so high or so low or so wide that God's love can't get around, go over, go under, and penetrate and reach your life. It's a great, it's a great day to unwrap the gift. But it's a great day if you're already in a relationship with God and you're wondering, because that happens, to dig a little deeper into that box and see exactly what does it mean for God to be with us. Ahaz, Ahaz did not put his trust in God. He looked at the situation and said, I can't trust him. Joseph puts his trust in God. Look what your Bible says right here. Verse 24, when Joseph woke up, he did, here's the key, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. The proof that Joseph trusted the Lord is that he followed him, he obeyed him, he did what the Lord asked him to do. Ahaz, not so much. So Ahaz is relegated to a footnote in history. We talk about the guys that beat him. We talk about Alexander the Great and the emperors of Rome. But when Joseph put his faith and trust in the character of God, the God who doesn't forget, who's a promise-keeping God, and we still celebrate that today. It's called Christmas. And in 2,000 different languages for 2,000 years, today, 2 billion people will gather and celebrate the faithfulness of God, demonstrated through a guy named Joseph who cares for a child that's not even his as the father, though it's not. And his name is Jesus. This Christmas, we'll gather in places like this and in beautiful cathedrals around the world. Some people will gather in homes. Some people will gather in secret, all remembering that God is a promise-keeping God. And once and for all, if you've ever wondered, the answer is settled at Christmas. He keeps his word. And the delay that we experience is really something that's relegated to our perspective. Oh, we feel that pain. We hear the drum of trouble beating in our lives. But God is behind the scenes orchestrating and maneuvering. And the real question is, will you trust him? Will you trust his heart and his character even when you can't see his hand? Will you trust his heart for you, even if he doesn't always act in ways you'd like for him to act, and especially if he doesn't act in the timing you'd like for him to act? Ahaz had a choice. Joseph had a choice. That was there and then. You and I have a choice here and now. To put our trust and hope in the God who is a promise keeper, who the Bible says of him, he gives good and perfect gifts. When Isaiah was helping Ahaz understand what was at stake, and he talked about that baby that would be born just a couple of verses later, two pages in your Bible, in Isaiah chapter 9, he describes this baby, and he says, 
And unto us a son has been born. And the government will be upon his shoulder. He'll have some kind of political influence potentially. And his name will be Wonderful Counselor. So he's going to be sensitive and be able to connect with people. And Mighty God. Now this is where everybody would stop because that was a title reserved only for the emperor. In fact, the Assyrians called him the King of Kings. But this baby, he would be the Mighty God, the ruler, the sustainer. He would literally be God in the flesh and he would come and he would keep God's promise with the world that God would do whatever he could to reach our hearts and give us an opportunity to stand in the place of Ahaz and Joseph and say, will we trust him? Will we trust him with our eternal destiny? Some of you have done that. And can I just give you a pastoral word for a moment? Some of you trust God like, to make sure you're going to heaven, but you haven't trusted him with the details of your life. And some of us, honestly, we haven't trusted him much at all. And I'm here to tell you today that the good news of Christmas is you can trust him. That he keeps his word. That the delay is a perspective issue that we have. In reality, he's very much at work orchestrating. The Apostle Paul in Galatians chapter 4 wrote it this way. I like this phrase. In the fullness of time, God sent his son born from a woman. At what point? Let me see what he didn't say. When Ben wanted it, God sent his son. (laughs) Paul was writing and he said it was in the fullness of time that God sent his son. In this case, it was 735 years. And the world is still blessed by it today. Is the Christmas gift blessing your life? I'm going to let you down. Our, Our church will let you down. Listen, if you're around here long enough, we don't want to. We've tried to design a church so we don't let anybody down. We've tried to design a church that if you don't like church at all, you can come here and be a part of us. And we don't judge. We don't do anything other than welcome you and present to you the truth from God's word in language you can understand. And then let you decide how you're going to engage God. We realize we're not going to stand with you in front of God. Each of us are going to stand alone. And yet we don't want to be in your way. So we just want to lift up Jesus as clearly as possible. Make it as simple and real and go as deep as we can into the scripture by being clear about the Bible. But we're going to let you down. But God, he's a promise keeper. And his character can be trusted. Which means you and I can afford to take the risk, even if all the circumstances of life are pointing in another direction. Even if all the conventional wisdom says, put your trust in the nation, in the north, and to the east. Because in that trust, you, you can have hope. And God stands here and says, don't put your trust in this stuff, friends. Don't put your trust in your own ability. Don't put your trust in your own good works. Don't put your trust in other people. Ultimately, the ultimate trust should be placed with the promise-keeping God who keeps his word, who has a track record of reaching out to human beings and saying, I know what's best and I'll work on your behalf and nothing will stop my love from reaching you. Will you open up and trust me? And that's a message to believers and unbelievers alike. This Christmas season, we as a staff and as a core team, we're praying that you'll see the sign of God in your life, that thing that convinces you that God is very much at work. I hope maybe when you're driving around looking at Christmas lights, it reminds you that Jesus is the light of the world. Or you see a Christmas tree, ultimately a pagan symbol, um, baptized by Christianity and brought into our celebration. But I hope when you see an evergreen tree, you remind you that Jesus is always alive. I hope that when you give gifts, it reminds you that the gift, the greatest gift this world has ever seen is Jesus. 
when you invest time and energy and money into buying gifts for people you love, I hope you realize that God went way out of his way to show you and me that he loved us. The Bible says it this way, that while we were still sinning, when we deserved it least, that's when Christ died for us. And we hope that you'll bring scores of people into this church so they can hear that message, that God hasn't broken his promises, that he still cares about every one of us. And there's no detail in your life that he's never thought an evil thought about you, that his plans for you are extravagant and wild. It's we, we hope that everybody experiences, we say it around here in shorthand, real love now. They can be real, encounter a real God in real worship. They can know what it is to be loved by God and to love God and to love others and be loved by others. And they can find a place on the team to begin to serve and help this world know that the gift is still giving and it's still available. And if you haven't opened it, now's the time. So where are you? Is there an area of your life where you're struggling to trust? Let me give you three quick points. Here's something that I've discovered. When you can't change your circumstances, those that beat so loud in your life, that overpower your trust, your confidence, your faith, when you can't change your circumstances, you can be opening your heart to be changed by God. My my parents are are in the room today. It's an incredible blessing because I wasn't certain that we were going to have this Christmas with my mom. Some 20 years ago, she got cancer for the first time, and over the last 10 years or so, it's just, you know, it's an ugly picture. But what an incredible testimony. She's lived this principle out. See, in her own strength, she can't beat cancer. We thought we've done that a couple times. God can do whatever he wants, and so we're trusting him. But what she's shown us is is that while she can't change all of her circumstances, and she certainly would like to, God can still work on our heart. God can change her heart. And so every encounter she has now, while she's getting her treatments, while she's talking to people, it's about lifting up Jesus in their lives. She's invited people to church. She's prayed with people to receive Jesus in the waiting room before her treatment. She shares her testimony how that even with cancer, the love of God is very much alive in her life. Well, she can't change her circumstance. We're praying for that. That's what we hope for. But she's learning to allow God to change her heart in the middle of her circumstance. How does that work? Because he's a promise-keeping God. He's a promise-keeping God. And he fulfills what he wants and what he knows is best. Here's the second point. I found if you found yourself in between, like, the promise and its fulfillment, and you're wondering what to do in the middle of this thing while the drums are beating so loud in your life, the drums of trouble, I found you can quit waiting for the big break. And you can start being faithful in the small things. I know folks who say, I'm called to ministry. And it's like they just sit in a chair waiting for a big door to open. Or or a guy will say to me, I feel like that woman over there, she's supposed to be my wife. I'm like, do you know her name? He's like, well, I haven't met her yet. But I think if God wants us to be together, he's just going to bring us together. Maybe. But here's what I have found normally happens. That the God who cares, the God who loves and who hasn't forgotten and is still keeping his promise, here's how it normally works. He normally says... The big doors, those are mine to adjust. But you be faithful where you are. See, that was the choice Ahaz had to make. Am I going to put my trust in God or am I going to put my trust in this allegiance? That was the choice Joseph had to make. Am I going to trust God and take Mary as my wife? Or am I going to do this on my own and put her away privately? And it's a choice we have to make in the small things. It's the husband who says, I don't don't know if my marriage is going to be resolved, if the issues. And so he decides... To become the kind of man that encourages an atmosphere in his home 
for the woman to step up and to be kind of a woman that God called her to be. Knowing that he can't control her, but he's going to do the part he can and pray then for God to move as only God can. It's the person who's struggling financially that says, I can't do it all, but I can cut cable. I can watch how I spend. I can do all this other stuff so that I can begin to manage what I can manage. And then they pray fervently to a God who can be trusted to begin to move the pieces of the puzzle that they can't control. I have found that when we manage and are faithful in the parts that we can be faithful in, and the faithfulness looks like obedience to God and to his way, that I have found God tends to open the doors. When we get ourselves ready, God tends to show up in the fullness of time. Here's the final thing. I found in this time when it's tough to, to, and we wonder where God is, that when you can't trust the details, you can trust God's character. The, The way I like to say it is you can trust God's character even when you don't know his plan. I like to dictate to God. I like to think that God and I together can run the universe pretty well. That's the way I like to think about this. But here's the truth. I can trust God's character even when I don't know what he's going to do. Even when I'm facing a thing and it looks like we're headed straight for the cliff, I can trust him completely. And so can you. That's what Christmas is all about. That the God who said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, the God who said, I'm still working, and the God that said, I'll pave a way, the God that said, I'll send a son, and the government will rest on his shoulders, his kingdom, there will be no end. Kingdoms come and go. Syrians, Babylonians, Persians, Greeks, Romans, come and go. But this thing that Jesus is doing, it's here to stay. At some point, should God tarry, Four Corners Church may not be around. I pray that's not anytime soon. Please come back next week, all right? But, but, but at some point, we may not be around. But the message of Jesus, it keeps going. It, when I am pushing up daisies and I'm food for worms, the message of Jesus will prevail people will still be unwrapping the Christmas gift. It would be a shame to go this holiday season without looking once again with fresh eyes and open heart what the promise-keeping God means for your life. Around here, we think it's important to take next steps and not just be motivated by the Bible stories, but to actually do something. So I want you to grab out your Connect card. It's the thing that Pastor Greg had you fill out and Pastor Nate. We'll take some next steps together. We check the box simply as a way of saying, God, this is what we'd like to do as we heard truth from your word today. So next step A, we like to give every week people an opportunity to receive Jesus as their Savior and Lord. So we're going to ask you to check the box. And when the offering bucket comes by at the end of the service, you just drop that in. That's just our way of saying you're putting faith behind what the Bible says. Here's how the Bible says it. That if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, You'll be saved. Now, the the phrase Jesus is Lord is simply saying, God, I want you to lead my life. I want you to be in charge. I want to follow you, follow it your way. I want you to forgive my sin and take away the distance between you and me. And then I want to live my life for you. If you'd like to do that today, it'd be the best Christmas gift you've ever ever received. You begin to open up that package and see all that Jesus can mean in your life. I'm going to pray about that. But check the box and we'll send you some information about it this week in the mail and in your email as a way of just kind of helping you take the steps you need to take. And the next step B, you want to go public with your faith and say, I'm not ashamed of Jesus. We sung about that earlier, right? I'm not ashamed. I want the world to know. The way you go public in the Christian faith for the last 2,000 years and you tell people I'm with Jesus, the way you do that is through Christian baptism. And if you'll check the box, our team will get in touch with you and uh, answer all your questions if you have some or, or tell you how to go ahead and move forward on that. 
Or next step C, I have found if you hide God's word in your heart, it has a way of producing fruit over time. So the verse for this week that I'm asking you to consider memorizing is Matthew chapter 1, verse 22 through 23. Here's what it says. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they'll call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. If you've forgotten that God cares, if you wondered, Emmanuel, God with us. Or next step D, can we be honest for a second? Like Joseph, I have some obeying to do. I have some obeying to do. I need to like commit (laughs) and not just trust with words, but actually move forward on the things that God's put on my heart. Become that man, become that woman, step up to the plate this way, do the thing and actually demonstrate my trust in God. Now the last one is something that gets us fired up around here. It's our Christmas Eve Eve service. And I'm asking you to consider bringing a gift to the Christmas Eve Eve service. There's two kinds of gifts. We're talking about bringing people. People are the things churches are about. When churches forget that, they stop being the kind of church Jesus started. We're asking you to bring the most precious thing on this earth, the greatest commodity this world's ever seen, is people that God created. We'd like you to bring a gift to the Christmas Eve Eve service. And we're going to focus on Jesus, light our candles, sing our carols, and proclaim God's truth with clarity. And, and perhaps bring a monetarily uh, you know, oriented gift, a, a, a financial gift to help Four Corners India or the Smoky Mountain Children's Home. And on that night, all of that money will be going to fund those ministries as we rally around and we say, we've been given much, we're going to give back some. Hey, let's pray about these things right now and then we're going to sing to our awesome God. Lord Jesus, thank you so much. God, thank you for this place. As Pastor Will talked about God, um, We just want you to be here. We want you to be here. And Father, I want to pray right now for all those folks that are learning fresh and new what it is to trust you. To not just have words about that, but to move forward in our connection. To move forward in obedience. God, I pray for people that are putting their hope and trust in you for the first time. They're saying, in effect, I'm a sinner. God, forgive me. I've led my own life. Now, Lord, you lead me. God, I pray for those folks who need to step forward in obedience. And God, I pray for what you're going to do in this place on our Christmas Eve Eve service. God, we want to trust you because we can. We want to trust you because you're a promise-keeping God. We pray it all in your name, the strong name of Jesus. Amen.